0: Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Oh, buglers! Sorry, the key on my laptop is not working. That's the on between the W and the R, uh, not it for a podcast recording in English too. But honst. I'll give it a whack. That's better. On wit to sow. Better. I'm Andy Altman. <laughs> Zoltzman and I'm broadcasting to live from the shed. Oh, uh, oh that that's that's good news that that uh, that last one came back. I was about to do a bit about uh, Dracula learning to do basic mathematics. Could have been very awkward for a family show like this. Anyway, welcome to Bugle issue uh, 4201. I am Andy Zoltzman and never let it be said that Thank you. Uh, it's Bugle, uh, as I said, issue 4,201. Uh, 4, I'm here in London, and the same cannot be said for either of my two guests today, both coming to you live from the world's most southerly hemisphere, uh, from Australia, within that hemisphere to be precise, uh, returning for the first time in two weeks. It's Alice Fraser, and for the first time in four years, the wonderful Sammy Shah. Welcome uh, to both of you. Uh, particularly, Sammy, it's, it's, uh, well, it's, been too, it's been too long. It's great to have you back on the, on the show. How are you?
1: uh thank you so much for having me back andy um i figured my uh last time i was on 4 what four years ago now i offended you by doing a pun <laughs> run um and and yeah, and had therefore the been mesh. iced out of the show and, uh, and i and i appreciate you giving me another opportunity i shall not i shall be more respectful this time around <laughs> uh, um and uh well you are in 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 melbourne um, I am indeed, yeah. Lockdown city, as we call it here. Um, we are the masters of lockdown. We have perfected lockdown as an art, as a, as a Zen Buddhist <laughs> retreat approach to the COVID uh, uh, situation. And we're doing great. We're, I mean, this what lockdown number five here in Melbourne, um, which, if you do something five times, I think this is a Malcolm Gladwell rule. Now we are experts at it automatically. <laughs> so, yeah, we're just rocking this lockdown. Unless, Unlike my friends in Sydney, um, who are a mess. Let's be honest.
2: <laughs> yes, of all the cities in Australia and their stereotypical characteristics, I don't think Melbourne needed to be the one that was sitting at home writing sad poetry. <laughs> 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 that was a skill set they already possessed. But for now, Sydney is developing that ability.
0: Uh, and worse well, so how, I mean, how are things in, in Sydney, Alice? I mean, because uh, you've uh, are you in? Is it a fifth lockdown for Sydney as I mean, is is this becoming competitive between? Australia's two big cities and you need Canberra in between to you know, average things out.
2: No, uh, so, so this is our second city-wide oh, no. lockdown. We've, yeah. we've been doing the very pinpoint precision of, of the lockdowns up until this point where it uh, seems to have gone gone wide. Right. Um, and uh, we did our defense wasn't good
0: enough well, we'll, we'll, we'll that's
2: the only sport <laughs> metaphors I know. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, we'll, um, we'll never talk about this a bit more later later in the show but I mean, here everything's fine've we've, we've opened up with you know barely a third of a million new cases a week um, so <laughs> <laughs> um, you know just different approaches different approaches I guess you know uh, history will probably be a pretty uh, aggressive judge of both of them <laughs> We are recording on the 22nd of July 2021 on this day in 1894 the first ever motor race was held in France between the cities of Paris and Rouen after someone had a a really great idea that you could put advertising logos on clothing and needed uh, some kind of means to make that uh, worth doing. Officially it was a race for horseless carriages. It included a one and a half hour break for lunch. A very, very French (laughs) event, and the uh, average speed of the first car across the line was a a dizzying 12 miles an hour. But that didn't win the trophy, because the trophy was given instead to the car which, quotes, came closest to the ideal. Now, I mean, that might be the massive lunch break, the sort of philosophical end to the race. (laughs) Was this the most French event in history? As always, a section of The Bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, moths. Uh, It's International Moth Week this week. So we have a full pull-out section about moths in which we ask... Seriously, what's the f***ing point of moths? Uh, they're like a cross between an unfinished butterfly and the remnant of a disappointing biscuit. The moth is acknowledged even by the International Society for the promotion of moths as, quotes <laughs> a bit drab as insects go, and frankly one of the many species that the world could do without. Moths are, of course, most famous for eating people's clothes, but why? No f***ing reason, I think they're just jealous. And also we look at great moths in history.
2: Jealous so or horny,
0: I mean, it's so hard to separate those two, isn't it, Alice? (laughs) So often. (laughs) History shows that. Um, We look at great moths in history. The 13th century Flemish Prince Bertrand de Strange owned a collection of 10,000 moths and would challenge his courtiers to correctly name them all or face immediate execution. In the 1950s, pop legend Elsie May Sludgett saw her career nosedive after eating a moth live on stage during an appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show during a controversially provocative performance of her Billboard number 1 single, If You Dare to Fly Away. And inspired by the Scottish King Robert the Bruce and his battle-predicting spider, early 19th century British General Sir Garmond Falhook decided to abandon a planned attack on a hill fort in Andalusia during the Peninsular War after watching a moth unsuccessfully try to fly out of a window for 45 minutes. It was a sign that all things end in failure, said Falhook to the subsequent government inquiry without adequately explaining why he had spent the next fortnight in Torre Torremolinos drinking some Slammers. And of course we look at the Tiger Moth aircraft, uh, renowned as an aircraft in the (coughs) the 1930s. But it has emerged um, that uh, the origin of the tiger moth was from an attempt by former US president and enthusiastic wildlife slayer Teddy Roosevelt to breed a flying tiger that would be more of a challenge for him to shoot. Roosevelt thought the (laughs) unpredictable (laughs) flutter patterns of the moth plus the camouflage and ferocity of the tiger would be a thrilling combination of natural wonders to savagely bring to death in great quantities. Uh, And of course, uh, a quick feature on the Miami Moths, the shortest-lived major minor league franchise ever. Uh, which went out of business after, appropriate enough, just over a week. It seemed appropriate, said the owner, Craybon Hargelly. Uh, that section, in the bin. <laughs> Top story this week, Bugle Olympic Special. Yes, it's about to happen, probably. Uh, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics 2021 have, well, in fact, already kind of begun, sort of, as we record, some pre-opening ceremony events have already taken place, early matches in football Uh, And and softball. Uh, And the Olympics will soon be fully underway, unless they're not. Uh, They'll be up and running unless they get disqualified after a false start or trip over their shoelaces and lie crying on the ground saying, why, why, why? It's amazing that here we are. We're recording on the Thursday. The Olympic ceremony is tomorrow. And no one seems to quite know if if these Olympics will genuinely happen. And, I mean, even if they do, they are going to be the glummest sporting event in history what what's the excitement levels in the sport loving nation of Australia
2: I mean we are passionately excited we are on the edges of our seats we are watching that 90s cinematic trope will they or won't they and why would they
0: <laughs> um um, uh, Sammy is, uh, you know, locked down in Melbourne. I guess, you know, you know, wall-to-wall sports got to be a, a, a bit of a, a, a bit of a boon. But, um, and Australia is, a, is, you know, a great Olympic nation. Melbourne hosted it back in 56. Sydney hosted it, hosted it in 2000. And, well, just this week, it's been announced that Brisbane is to host the 2032 Games. I mean, what's what's the react? I mean, it, we we should say that that Brisbane beat off strong competition from. Uh, let me just check the list. Absolutely nowhere else whatsoever uh, to land the hosting uh, hosting rights, which uh, are due to take place, as I said, in twenty thirty two, which is scheduled to be a week after Australia finishes giving COVID vaccines to the over fifties. I think on on current rates. So, so what what's the the mood in Australia after the, after this this news?
1: There is, there's just remarkable amounts of joy here, excitement. There is a, one question that a lot of people have right now is, oh, uh, well, Brisbane is the only city that has been a contender for the 2032 Olympics. And it turns out that five people voted against even them. So why do five people hate Brisbane? What the fuck has Brisbane ever done?
0: Uh, why do you think there was so little competition for the, the 2030? Because it used to be that there were, you know, rafts of cities all wanting to bid for the Olympics. I mean, do, do, is it, you know, perhaps an unwillingness... Of cities around the world now to be saddled with billions of dollars of debt, a 72,000-seat Greco-Roman wrestling arena, a randy albatross of broken political promises around their necks and the nagging sense that things will never be quite as fun after the Olympics ever again. So, I mean, it's almost it's not just the money, it's the sense that you know, it, that'll be the peak and there's nothing to look forward to. I speak from London here.
1: I think it's because 2032 as a year is is so far into a future that we know is not going to exist that at this point you might as well be talking about the year 3032 when it comes to having the next Olympics. I can't plan things till next Thursday. Every <laughs> single plan I made for next week has been cancelled. 2032, sure, book whatever you want for 2032. That's the year I booked all my meetings, my tax accountant meeting, my my meetings with my school daughter's school parent teacher. 2032 is not a real year. It's a
2: Exist. <laughs> um, I think I think it's possible that they've been scared off by the plethora of bad things that have been happening uh, to Tokyo, seemingly the, the best place to possibly hold the Olympics being very organised and orderly. But it, uh, after losing, like, seemingly every single person in a leadership position to uh, the vagaries of them having done or said horrendous shit in the past, <laughs> I feel like people just don't want their, their histories raked up with that kind of vigour. <laughs>
0: The Queensland Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, had said she would not attend the opening ceremony in Tokyo, where she's been for the uh, for the announcement uh, of the, the bidding process, because of, um, I forget the reason. Uh, it might be, was it she wanted to finish a book? Uh, no, uh, chess club. Uh, no, no, it was that massive global pandemic, uh, that's what. Um, so she wasn't going to go to the uh, opening ceremony in Tokyo. Um, uh, she said she would instead watch it from her room. And uh, John Coates got. Well, as I said, a little uh, on the um, uh, uh, smug man at seesaw. Um, he said, you are going to the opening ceremony. I am still the deputy chair of the candidature leadership group. So far as I understand, there will be an opening and closing ceremony in 2032. And all of you have got to get along there and understand the tradition parts of that and what's involved in an opening ceremony. None of you are staying behind in your rooms. All right. Yeah, maybe not quite in that tone of voice. But, I mean, this, this is not a great start to uh, Brisbane as a showcase of, of a more modern Australia, was it?
1: It's a very Queensland thing to do. One of the things you have to understand about Queensland is it is what's often been described as the Florida of Australia. It is um, it is the kind of state. If, if, if ethnicities if Queenslanders can be considered an ethnicity, maybe it is time for an ethnic cleansing is is something that we've often said about queensland and and this kind of like mansplaining overreaction from a, a person whose job title is literally, deputy chair of the (laughs) candidature leadership group which might as well he's one step above sundry custodian when it comes to useless job titles telling the (laughs) premier how to behave alice it was quite a curious
0: message to send out this none of you are staying behind and hiding in your rooms a curious message to send out to a nation 50 percent of whom are currently in lockdown
2: (laughs) Yes, I'm afraid that Australians are equally split between being annoyed that she's going, being annoyed that she said she wouldn't go, being annoyed that she didn't go and not realising that she did go (laughs) uh, and just generally being annoyed at problems in their own personal lives that they are now projecting onto the wider political landscape because that's the only way we know how to express our emotions in these troubling times (laughs) and it's that or punch your toaster.
0: back to Tokyo 2020 2021 as it, uh, i forget what it's officially called uh, now um the it, it's been a hugely troubled games for obvious uh, reasons um, and uh, to the extent where now sponsors are getting wary of being associated with top-level sport. Now, generally, sponsors want to be associated with top-level sport, whatever the cost, financially and to the ethics and spirit of sports and humanity in general. But they're now getting very worried about how unpopular these games have become with the people of Japan as the pandemic continues to muddle its way around the world. And these sponsors are starting to vault out of the arena, like Sergei Bubka escaping from from jail um it it's how can you think of a more sad sporting event that's ever taken place
2: I mean it's it's terribly sad to watch these sponsors jumping ship Toyota among others are, they're downplaying they they're not showing up they're not coming to watch and, and it's almost like andy they don't care about humanity running faster jumping higher and achieving <laughs> greater things all they care about is the is the swathes of people who will go and buy overpriced uh, merchandise.
0: As if trying to set the tone for this was not difficult enough for the opening ceremony, preparations have been further um, smithereened uh, today, Thursday, as we recall, when the show's director uh, was sacked over a joke about the Holocaust he made on a TV comedy show back in the 1990s. Now, once again, this is a major failure in the initial vetting process, isn't it? Because you would have thought these days that process would involve a question to the director of your uh, Olympic opening ceremony, along the lines of, did you ever make a joke about the Holocaust on a 1990s TV comedy show? Yes or no. Um, But obviously (laughs) that vetting did not happen.
2: It's almost like Japan's painfully insular tradition of hierarchical rigidity and the unquestioned authority of those in power makes for a slightly uncomfortable mix with modern public transparency culture.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If if you were designing an opening ceremony for this Games, how, how would you express everything that's come to be associated... I mean, I can't really see how it can involve anything apart from getting 3,000 dancers forming into a giant teardrop And then slowly
1: trickling down a giant inflatable globe. It does make sense that there is a bit of controversy, though. Yeah, because there, there is. You know, we've got the Japanese organising the entire Olympic ceremony and hosting it in Tokyo. And the head of the Olympics, uh, of the IOC, the president is Thomas Bach, who is a former Olympic fencer and German lawyer. And the last time Germany and Japan collaborated over anything, um, a lot of people got really upset. And so maybe this time around, our reaction is naive on our part and we should have anticipated a lot more controversy
0: <laughs> I, I like that as a, a summary of the second world War. a lot of people got really upset <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> nicely down down played isn't it? um one of the swimmers uh alicia chores on uh, facebook uh and this really shows the lengths that athletes go to to succeed in, in top level sport uh, sure. Imagine dedicating five years of your life and striving for another start at the most important sporting event, giving up your private life and work, sacrificing your family and your dedication results in a total <laughs> flop. And I mean, sacrificing a your a family. Minute. I mean, it's a bit old, but it shows the dedication doesn't it if you want it to work i mean it's, it's always you know, work worked for agamemnon back in the day of course of the trojan <laughs> war though i'm mean, gonna I guess it would be you know, quite a good strategy on the start blocks of a swimming race to just put your opponents off if you suddenly start com- performing a human sacrifice then you think you might get an advantage when you know when the, the race starts that funny pingy sound sends the swimmers off everyone's looking at something what the f- are they doing in lane eight There are some new sports in London 2012, the Tokyo 2020-21 version. Um, uh, We will give you a rundown now on these new sports that will be entertaining you on your TV screens over the next couple of weeks, as long as everything isn't cancelled speed climbing well i mean this is another sport that will have other species on the planet muttering yeah well done humans you want to see how it's really done um uh you can also apply to that anything that involves running swimming jumping unarmed fighting hanging upside down plummeting into water or most forms of vaulting uh, but speed climbing is um well that's coming in and i mean alice you, you mentioned just before we came on air that in, in you as lockdown continues you felt like climbing up the walls now you are going to literally be able to see people climbing up walls at incredible speed is this good or bad for you as a sydney resident i mean
2: this is so good for me it's speed climbing surfing karate and skateboarding are the four new sports so if you wanted to be cool in the 90s slap on a hypercolor t-shirt and send your yo-yo around the world this is the olympics (laughs) for you uh Of course, it makes me wonder what's going to happen when the Olympics come to Brisbane. What will the new sports be other than hat-wearing ballroom, which is where you do a dance in the sticky heat to give your testicles space to breathe (laughs) and uh, (laughs) trying to run away from a crocodile, (laughs) uh, the sport in which only one person is the winner.
0: Well, there there was a Monty Python sketch in which they had Olympic being eaten by a crocodile. And, you know, like so many comedy sketches, it may become reality. Uh, in, in Brisbane.
1: It is important though that now with surfing and climbing and skateboarding and karate they have finally catered to the often neglected hipster barista with a man bun demographic <laughs> that has been left out of the Olympics for so long.
0: Um, the, the surfing is part of a new uh, Olympic scheme to introduce sporting events which are featured in popular songs which have claimed that everybody was participating in them. So uh, hence, uh, following the Beach Boys-inspired addition of surfing to the 2020 Games, Paris 2024 will include kung fu fighting and Los Angeles (laughs) 2028 will see uh, talking return as a sport. Of course, this began in the Winter Olympics. Uh, The skeleton event uh, was introduced to the Winter Olympics in 2002 after the success of the REM song Everybody Hurts, which of course was short for hurtles, but uh, was abbreviated (laughs) for rhythm. Uh, Moving on now, and another billionaire goes kind of into almost into space to watch the world burn below him news now, and, uh, well, it's been another great week for billionaires pointlessly going sort of near to space. Uh, We asked a couple of months ago on The Bugle, what does the man who has everything get for the man who has everything? And the answer was the yacht that Jeff Bezos uh, bought himself that needed another yacht just to work. Well, being the ceaseless investigative journalist that he is, Bezos has now added the question, where does the man who has everything take the man who has everything? Um, no doubt we'll have uh, hi, uh, how, when, and I'm not sure we'll get round to why because there's no satisfactory answer to that. But the answer is to that. He he's took himself kind of into space. Alice, you are our billionaires firing themselves upwards uh, <laughs> correspondent. Um... It's another great moment for pointless expenditure and uh, things flying up into space.
2: Yes, indeed, Andy. Jeff Bezos and his self-satirising rocket have decided to add a cowboy hat to the post-fleeting flight press conference for maximum something. Uh, Bezos said that the space flight uh, reinforced his commitment to fighting climate change, that going into space and seeing the fragility (laughs) of the Earth below him uh, reinforced his commitment to fight... It's like those people who, uh, when they have a child, say, I had a child and it gave me the revelation that, you know, it's not all about me. And it's like, it took that? (laughs) It
0: took that to make you realise? Why do you think, uh, Sammy, Bezos, the world's richest man, financially, uh, if not spiritually, uh, has um, unnecessarily used a chunk of his unnecessary wealth to fly into space in a giant penis... Uh, let's call it what it was, for basically Mm -hmm. just long enough to take a piss in zero gravity before then (laughs) plopping
1: back down to Earth. (laughs) Look, Andy, I've been divorced. I've been divorced twice in fact And it's not fun You do crazy stuff You dye your hair blonde You get a fitness instructor Who convinces you to start drinking protein shakes Or maybe you sign up for a scuba diving course So you can finally confront your fear of sharks And then cancel the night before Because you panic Even though the sign up fees is non-refundable These are all hypothetical situations So in that case I do have a lot of sympathy for for Bezos Wearing a cartoonishly large cowboy hat And firing yourself into space In a rocket shape so obviously like a penis, it might as well have veins down its side. That's just a cry (laughs) for help. That's all it really is. And I mean, also he he was there. It was so
0: sort of unimpressively brief uh, this trip that you know the whole thing took eleven minutes. And uh, he did say at the press conference afterwards. the former Amazon boss and no-time happiness in the workplace champion of champions winner from overworked, underpaid warehouse staff monthly magazine. Uh, He said, It was a bit disappointing, to be honest. I was hoping to be able to see all the forest fires, all the floods, all the failing crops and all the forced migrations of the desperate seeking a viable place to live and feel like a maleficent deity. But sadly, it wasn't really like that at all. I can confirm, however, that the earth is probably round.
1: It turns out that 11 minutes of a good time is all that uh, Bezos is capable of, which does explain his last divorce, finally.
0: Uh, Meanwhile, uh, back on Earth, um, well, the uh, apocalypse continues apace. Uh, Siberia is on fire. There is catastrophic flooding in multiple places around the world, uh, huge uh, heat waves. And and the BBC News, whether intentionally or not, um, uh, as they were covering the the Bezos rocket uh, launch, they uh, also, in the same sort of quarter of an hour time slot ran a story about um sudanese migrants paddling across the english channel in inflatable rubber dinghies um in their desperation to find somewhere uh to live i mean can you think of anything that two stories that juxtapose juxtapose more appropriately to highlight our strange and questionable priorities as a planet at the moment than those two
2: Well, you know, Jeff Bezos did come back down to earth and immediately give $100,000 to Van Jones. So that's good. Right. Quite a famous news reporter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's he going to spend it on?
2: Probably good stuff. Look, let's just assume that they're all doing these things benevolently.
1: I wish actually that they would do these things malevolently because then at least we might get some results. Even if the malevolent <laughs> thing he, got, he went up into space and then bombed the rest of us into dust, at least we'd know once and for all what the intentions were and there would be some change that was different from what we're currently experiencing, which is a slow death, a slow roasting death.
2: You're right, Ad, you're right, Sammy, you're right. It is more depressing if we think they're doing their best.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, heard, so we've had two billionaires in space in the last two weeks and not a, either of them has cackled maniacally when they've gone there. That's a massive letdown for all humanity, you're quite right.
2: I feel they should leave that to Elon Musk. I think that's his thing. (laughs) I think he would think that was funny, and it probably would be quite funny, but not as funny as it would be depressing, which I think is Elon Musk's sweet spot for comedy.
0: 1960s blues guitarists news now, and, uh, well, also slightly related to COVID, uh, Eric Clapton. Uh, has announced that he will not be performing uh, in any venue that requires ticket holders to have had COVID vaccines. Um, the uh, legendary uh, axe wielder uh, is um, well taking a curious approach to the uh, uh, to the reopening of of society.
2: Yes, he's he's released this statement, and also in the way that you know it's a legitimate statement, he released it exclusively to Italian architect <laughs> and vaccine skeptic Robin Monotti, Grazia uh, Day, who who put it out to the world through the reputable channels of his unverified Instagram account, uh, Clapton said that he he, he doesn't he's calling it an, a discriminated audience. If 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 venues insist on people being vaccinated or showing a negative COVID test or proof of of prior uh, infection, which is the current uh, plan for a lot of venues, he's saying unless there's provision made for all people to attend. Uh, a reserve the right to cancel the show. Clapton went on to say, I also insist that we reintroduce smallpox so that people who want to go to a concert bearing the hideous weeping flags of their independent independent spirit may mosh pustulantly with their co-concert goers. <laughs> I just, it's always so sad when people who are good at one thing turn out to be really, really terrible at another thing. You know, who would have thought that impeccable guitar fingering skills and blowing your brains out with hippie bullshit in the 60s would be incompatible with logic and proportional risk assessment later down the line?
1: (laughs) Clapton has also come out and made a statement that uh, he's a big fan now of British politician Desmond Swain. Uh, Swain, of course, also believes that the pandemic's overblown. Swain has also been very publicly racist in the past. He said he thinks blackface is just a bit of fun, uh, which actually makes sense when you realise that Clapton, in the past, has at concerts told audience members who were foreigners to leave the country, and has said he was worried about Britain becoming a black colony, and used a bunch of racial slurs. It turns out the reason Eric Clapton shot the sheriff was because the sheriff wasn't white. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the thing you have to understand about Eric Clapton is uh, it's important to note that he's freaked out at the response his body had to the vaccine, saying he expected to feel wonderful tonight. Uh, instead, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Andy, I have to do this. Uh, instead, he suffered the kind of pain that caused him to start, as the Kiwis say. Heaven tears and heaven pains. Uh, te- tears in heaven is another song. Uh, the thing he doesn't realize is the vaccine's response varies from person Sa- Sammy, to person. It took
2: four years for you to come back last time. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not,
1: I'm not interrupting. I'm, just I'm going you. down like a Viking. Sorry, <laughs> it's it, it, the vaccine response varies from person to person, it's all in the way that you use it. Um, he's of course come under a lot of criticism, and it makes sense to him for him to Layla for for a while. Um, Layla, of course, thank you for that one, Andy. Um, I, I I'll excuse myself now from the room.
2: It's worse <laughs> when you explain them.
1: <laughs> how does it feel to be? I was disappointed horse. with how few um, Eric Clapton songs I knew. By the way, and how many I had to look up.
0: <laughs> um, I, I saw him at a. Um, a charity event a few years ago it was a, a cricket charity event uh, that, that I went to, and he did um, played music uh, afterwards, as he so often does, uh, and um,
2: <laughs> sort of his thing. Well, I, we were
0: standing about three yards away from from him, <laughs> one of the <laughs> greatest guitars of all time, whatever his you know, political views and views on on COVID. It's one of the most bizarre experiences of my life that I was watching Eric Clapton play uh, as if he was in my living room on the sofa. <laughs> and I turned around and the former England cricketer, Alan Lamb, was standing on a table waving a jacket round his head that then uh, hit me in the <laughs> eye. And it was um, a bizarre experience. Um, well, I mean, The, 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 the freedom uh, that Britain is now enjoying, uh, Freedom Day, as it was uh, incorrectly uh, named and arrogantly named, By the government and certain sections of the media, Uh, on the nineteenth, at the start of this week, uh, basically all uh, our COVID restrictions uh, were uh, released: Uh, masks, distancing, social gatherings, or, based on the evidence of recent football tournaments, anti-social gatherings, as they should be called. Uh, They're all now fine. Um, As as I mentioned earlier on, we've had just a mere one third of a million positive tests uh, over the previous uh, week. Uh, I mean, how does that compare with the number of positive tests in? australia
2: uh i think we had 120 today which was high
1: yes so and in melbourne i believe we are at 22 yes which is very high for us
0: so i mean a third of a million is i mean we're doing better
2: but a bit more than that
0: yes Uh, a little bit more but i mean i guess in australia the butterfly flaps its wings a wombat slightly coughs, and then twelve million people going to lockdown. So it's just different different approaches uh, to the the unique chaos of um, of COVID, and uh, the political strategy for the government. They've been much criticised for this, but it's you know it's well constructed because they just layer incompetence upon incompetence, inconsistency upon inconsistency, malpractice on malpractice, until people are just reduced to saying. Oh, oh what the f she done now? Oh just means nothing to me anymore. And it and it just kind of rumbles on and there we go. Well are. the
2: Australian government is doing the schoolyard. Why are you hitting yourself tactic of telling everyone that the only way to get out of this is to vaccinate our way out while also very cleverly not providing vaccines <laughs> to us <laughs>
1: Um, We also had the Prime Minister come out and make a statement that, hey, at least we're not doing as badly as New Zealand, which, by the way, is actually doing better than us in terms of (laughs) vaccination rates. So he was wrong about the one thing that he tried to say that he was right about.
0: Yes. I mean, well, I mean, back here in Britain, we're sort of entering the latest of our many fingers crossed phases of this crisis. And the government is once again channeling its inner Goldilocks and inserting Britain's collective fingers into all the electrical sockets in the three bears house until they find the one that is just right um, and it turns out that you know Freedom Day, which has a touch of the Kim Jongs about it, whoever came up with that branding <laughs> they missed obviously missed out the words from responsibility because this is essentially, the government has just outsourced blame and responsibility for everything to other organisations, to people. Sir, Sir uh, Julius Pransbury the MP for much wittering and government minister for the wholesale abdication of responsibility, looking haggard and overworked as always these days um said uh issue this statement saying uh, to the to the people of this country said do as we have neither said nor done please uh, try not to get <laughs> ill it'll probably be all right and all that vaccines um so so here we are uh it's um uh, but you mentioned uh the the uh, you know australian uh, prime minister uh, scott morrison he has however uh cleared up uh, a, a story that needed clearing up um or didn't need clearing up depending on your version of uh of the story, um, Alice, you are our prime ministers having allegedly shat themselves in fast food outlets correspondent, uh, just bring us up to date with the latest
2: Yes, Andy, this is a story that came out on the day that Melbourne went into its lockdown, that Sydney announced harsher uh, lockdown regulations, people having to stay at a home in, in more more higher quantities in the shutting down of retail. Uh, ScoMo came out and clarified the story. Uh, not, not in response to questioning, mind you, uh, clarified the story that he had shot himself in a McDonald's in Engadine in <laughs> 1997 by saying he did not, in fact, shoot himself uh, in a McDonald's in Engadine in 1997, despite the plaque there, <laughs> <he> claims differently. <laughs> um, and I feel that this is not the kind of story that you would bring up to deny unless it was something that you had definitely done. <laughs>
1: It does speak to a certain lack of, um, of of quality conspiracy theories in Australia. You know, In, in America, conspiracy theories are that there's UFOs in Area 51 or the, or the CIA killed JFK. In Australia, the conspiracy theory is that the Prime Minister possibly shat himself in a Macca's in in the 1990s. I mean, that's, you know, t- take what you got.
0: <laughs> and, you know, only 9% of Australians are fully vaccinated, Um Uh, despite all the advantages Australia has as a nation economically, as its geography um, and the control of the virus that it managed to exert in the early months of the crisis. But I would ask you this, as residents of Australia, would you rather have a Prime Minister who had never taken a dump in a fast food outlet but also spanned up the most important challenge of his premiership or a Prime Minister who took a live daily dump in a fast food outlet on national television but... (laughs) (laughs) Could competently order a vaccine, which I mean, it's quite a hard decision to make, isn't it?
2: Well, somebody who spent three and a half hours on the line to get a primary uh, vaccine shot booked in for the second of September, I would say, shoot away, Scotty. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's right. He does make make a lot of curry, by the way. This is uh, one of the things I have to know about the prime minister. Here is that he loves making curries, so he is, I no doubt, prone to shitting himself a lot more than he's likely (laughs) to admit.
0: Well, uh, well, I think I can't think of a more appropriate story on which to bring The Bugle to its summer hiatus. Um, I'm off on holiday for a couple of weeks, and uh, the Test Matches begin. You can listen to me on uh, BBC's Test Match special radio coverage of that. The Bugle will be back uh, in August with uh, full episodes. At some point, we will put out sub-episodes over the next few weeks. And there is a live Bugle show on the 7th of September, In London, uh, at the Underbelly's London Underground site in Earl's Court, Uh, Chris Addison will be appearing live in person. Alice will be appearing live via a screen uh, in in person. Is that that the term? Uh, But uh, and it will uh, be also. It will be the first live audience I've performed to (laughs) in about 21 months. So uh, come and see me flounder around hoping that as people say it is like uh, getting back on a bike uh, but also uh, failing to remember that i have always been really shit at cycling uh, that is the 7th of september um uh sammy any um uh, where, where else can people find your work online
1: well, I was going to say that you can find me doing comedy shows, but you really can't. There's none everywhere <laughs> in lockdown. So, um, the, I suppose the best place to find me is on my Patreon, uh, if I may be so mercenary, by saying patreon.com slash Shah. I put up stand-up comedy, I put up short stories, early drafts of ongoing novels and things like that. Uh, just a whole bunch of things that you can throw your money at me. Throw enough money and I'll take a shit in a macros and I'll send <laughs> you just- a <laughs> things the are Aus- dire here in australia <laughs> the, Aus- the
0: australian way <laughs>
1: i'm just trying to integrate into australian society as best an immigrant can
0: uh, alice as well as uh, the gargle and the last post uh within the bugle stable where else can people find you
2: people can find me on patreon.com slash alicefraser where i have my weekly tea salons as well as being a one-stop shop for all of my stand-up specials podcasts and blogs but you should also su- uh, do the voluntary subscription to the bugle uh, because i just invoiced chris skinner for the first time since february so <laughs> <gonna need it. laughs>
0: right well on that note please do join our <laughs> voluntary subscription scheme go to the buglepodcast.com and click the donate button you can uh, join as a, a recurring donor uh, or make a one-off contribution to keep this show free flourishing and independent thank you very much for listening There will be output over the next few weeks and we will be back after the summer break. Goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way.